Howdy, folks. We, we back. All right, everybody. We're back. Welcome to Cross Training, where we look at faith and practice in a biblical setting. And we've got uh, Matthew Thompson, and I'm Tanner Higgins, and we got Mason Simmons back with us to join. And uh, we're going to continue talking about uh, pain, death, and suffering, and where does it come from? How do we as Christians uh, answer and talk about these questions? Yeah. It's a very relevant topic given the current situation in the world. Uh, last episode, we talked about uh, two big biblical natural disasters that, that God's hand was uh, present in, that being the flood and, and the plague. So now we're, we're going to dive into some rationalism regarding the, the current setting. We're going to kind of shift gears a little bit, but still, still on that topic of disaster. But let's get right into it. <clears throat> So like you said before, Matthew, with the previous episode, how like there's two really big questions that pop in, into our minds when it comes to uh, disasters and tragedies, either be by uh, moral evils or natural evils. But, you know, why is there death and suffering in the world? Um, and if God is so loving, why does he allow pain and suffering to happen? And we try to rationalize it and we try to tend to understand why these things are happening. And I think we do, I think a lot of times we do a, a disservice to say, okay, let's just not think about it. It happens because it happens. And we, and then we get to the other side of the spectrum where we say, well, we try to shove blame on something or something. And sometimes we get angry and we blame God for our pain and suffering. Uh, but when we talk about rationalism, I think there's a place to try to rationalize pain. Um, Sometimes it's it's okay to say, okay, why am I suffering? Why is this happening in the world? Why is there a virus? Why is there tornadoes that devastate my community? Why is this happening? I believe the Lord encourages us to understand as much as we can about Him and what is the whole purpose and the things that happen in the world. So we'll be reading out of the ESV uh, today. Uh, so in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, uh, Peter says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so I think that when we have any situation that comes before us, any situation, good, bad, evil, good, whatever, I think that it's it's okay to try to understand what is the big purpose that God has set for me in this in this in this time in this tragedy uh you know and there's nothing wrong with with asking uh i think that we've talked a little bit about uh we will talk a little bit about job about even him he somewhat questioned he never did curse god and blame god and stuff like that but yet he did question why is this happening to me and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. Of course, uh, you can't go too far in that direction, though, because there is the problem of if we did understand God, if we were able to to successfully put God in a box and define his beginning and his end, then, I mean, God isn't God in that case. Like By definition, I mean, that, that doesn't fit with God's character. So we, we do have to set those boundaries. I mean, it's even established in, in Scripture. Um, the verse escapes me right now, but it does say, like, you're going to try to learn everything about me, but good luck, buddy, because <laughs> you, you won't. We never will. So it... There is definitely that uh, that desire to learn, that that desire to have knowledge, and that's good as long as you don't let that drive your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like in, in Mason in medical, in, no, mechanical engineering, chemical engineering. There you go. Are you? Did you switch? I did switch recently. <gasps> What'd you switch to? I mean, it's it's basically the same thing. I just dropped engineering, microbiology. Okay. Because I was biomolecular, 
Mechanical. Fellas, the lore of cross training is oh. taking a dramatic turn. The deep lore. The deep, deep. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, basically, instead of transferring, I mean, this. Yeah, this is just instead of like transferring chemicals like from one vessel to another and having to build those vessels, um, like looking or or looking at how chemicals can affect a body and then make prosthetics i'm now actually like in the lab looking what is in the body you know mm -hmm. i'm like in the hospital labs microbiology nice. yeah okay okay i would i'd much rather look at that than be like oh build this <laughs> build this arm or build this machine that's going to hold these chemicals yeah. make sure it can pump it to this no uh yeah nice. well, You've heard it here first. Mason's changed his major. <laughs> but, like, with, with any kind of, like, special to me, that's just Greek. That's completely, I just don't understand it at oh, all. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in that field that understands a lot of that stuff. But yet, when it comes to especially, like, biology and engineering, like, there is no end to try to understand it. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, that's why, I mean, if there was, I mean, what's the reason for having... You know, so many engineers today. I mean, mm -hmm. if the reason so many people want, you know, those engineers and stuff is because, you know, there's always ways to improve something. Something's never perfect. I mean, you can always make something, um, you know, faster, stronger, you know, more aerodynamic. You know, there's all kinds of ways you can make things better. It's just depending on, you know, what the situation is. And so um, you're never fully able to understand, you know, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So here's some three big Christianese words that we can kind of define God with. We know him to be omniscient, which the easy terminology would be, what is he? All-knowing. All-knowing. He's... I get them mixed up, so I... <laughs> <laughs> he's I, a, I forget which one's which. He's uh, omnipotent, which means... All powerful. powerful. Oh, oh. oh. Ah, see, I oh, got mixed on. up. Oh, I'm sorry. There were two left. I know. I told you I get them mixed up. <laughs> I took and a shot in the dark. <laughs> And the last one you got omnipresent, which means hey, he's all present. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you well, go. He's all present. I would have made a thirty-three on that test. Seeds <laughs> <laughs> get degrees. <laughs> so these things. So God is everywhere. He's all knowing, and He knows all these things. And so, like Matthew said, that even though this is is almost seen as a fool's errand to try to understand, there is about God. God encourages it because what does it do? It in it. it digs deeper into the relationship with God. What is a, what is a, uh, you know, a dis we are disciples of Christ. What do disciples do? They sit and learn at the master's feet continuously. So, I mean, that's what Christ encourages here, that even when pain and suffering and tragedies, things that these questions arise in our life, uh, it's okay to go to the Lord. It's like, why is this happening? Lord, give me comfort in this. Do Show me something out of this instead of just laying back and just taking it, you know? I mean, it's okay to ask these questions, and, you know, and I think it's important to say it's okay for these questions to arise. It's not a sin for these these, these questions to arise in our life. Yeah, so let's uh, get to the scriptural basis, just some quick-fire verses here that talk about uh, God being that comforter. Uh, I've got two pieces of scripture kind of in front of me right now. Uh, Mason, if you want to hit up that Second Corinthians and... Uh, Tanner, you've got the Isaiah one. I'll get through the two John scriptures right quick. Uh, I've got one in John chapter 14, verse 16 says, 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And in a similar vein, just about a page further in John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And y'all can read your scriptures. Yeah, so Second Corinthians uh, 1 and 3 reads, Blessed be the God and Father of all of all our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of God of all comfort. Uh, in Isaiah 51, verse 12, it says, I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who made like grass? And then a final uh, verse to kind of cap that off is in, can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So there's plenty of precedent set that we can find comfort in God, whether it be through the helper, uh, b- being the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, find it through Christ Jesus or find it through God himself. And that's, that's the beauty of having that triune three-in-one God. Like we have all these different avenues to find that peace, find that comfort, whether it be through scripture, through prayer, through meditation. And we can even see that even within the midst of our current climate with COVID-19, we can see that there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uh, unknowingly and, and, and anxiety and even depression. I think that actually the suicide rate has actually increased. The uh, the, the fact of, of being in home alone and being contained in that environment and uh, not going out and socializing, God has created us to be social creatures. And so this unnatural situation that we've been placed in, Churches are having to adapt to this situation, and we're making it. You know, it's not what the church is designed to do. I mean, drive-in services like we talked about, online live services on Facebook and Zoom meetings and stuff like that. But it's not ideal. You know what, Tanner? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a wrench at you right quick. Oh no! I, I think <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I think we're doing really good. I think that uh, this is proof that, that God has truly moved within the, the capital C church. I mean, obviously not every country is like America and that we've got these technological advancements. But, I mean, goodness, what we're doing right now is an excellent example of how God has equipped us in the 21st century. Well, I agree. I, I would agree with that. Okay. I, I, w- right. I would say yes, because this is where you would get Romans 8:28 that all things are worked for his mm-hmm. good that love him yeah. are called according to his purpose. So those that are wanting to have this type of connection to continue this connection and learning in God, they're going to find ways to do it. Oh yeah. I mean, so you can shut down the churches, you can turn our internet off. We're going to find ways because God will bless it because with the two or more gathered in his name, there I am amongst them. And so we had over 120 people here yesterday during our drive-in yeah. church. So we're doing something for the glory of God and God's going to bless it. So yes, I agree, but yet it is still a hurdle that we have to make to get through this race of, of turmoil tragedy. So yeah. you didn't let me finish, bro. We, we weren't there yet. Hey, but we, we, two, <laughs> two points of view that, that establish the same thing, but just to, to comment on the, the driving thing, like with, with the drive, uh, drive-in service that we had yesterday, I think it's beautiful how we're, how we're overcoming these obstacles. Mm-hmm. Cause that was such a unique thing. Like my goodness, it, it touched me. It, it really did, because I mean, because w- we're here in a in a Real Baptist church, and I don't know if this stereotype rings true everywhere, but like, amens are kind of hard to come by. <laughs> like, yes, in, it in is. In the midst of a service, you might have one or two people that are just fired up by nature and will give that amen every once in a while. But usually, the crowd's pretty quiet in a Real Baptist church. But you put us in a car, we'll honk that horn. There was there was <laughs> lots of lots of horn honking during did, that. Did you did you hear that little small like during Mark's sermon? Did you hear that little small small horn honk? Yeah, that was Judah. That was my little really? man. He accidentally, <laughs> he accidentally, I don't know. I mean, his his he was probably crawling, crawling all over the car, and he probably yeah. hit his butt against the horn. But yeah, yeah that was him. I was like, ah, 
That's yeah. him. But people were ready to respond since they had that mm-hmm. little horn to honk. And I mean, yeah, you can view that as just being a funny little happenstance. But I mean, that, that was action that people were taking uh, in response to, to a sermon, in response mm-hmm. to a question that uh, our pastor Seth posed. Uh, it, it, was, it was a beautiful thing seeing that participation take you place. You know what I want to see, though? Hmm. I want to see it carry over when we come back to church. Exactly. Because I tell you what, if I get up there and start preaching and, and it's still just Tanner, the occasional Seth, and then, you know, I might have Matthew in the back start just jumping up and down with his hands. If it's just those three like normal, I'm going to be a little disappointed after seeing all the responses that we've had. Like, you're exactly right. I mean, it's a great thing. We need to keep it going, though. Yeah, we need to start passing out air horns and services before we get back to, <laughs> to having physical services. As long as we had something going on, I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally be against it. <laughs> but what, is, what does this do when we come to – when we adapt to these situations? You know, we, uh, we, we get better at adapting to these things, that it creates a type of hope. It kind of gives us a glimpse of, of connection. Uh, it creates unity. We're oh, continuing unity. on our, our yeah. path of unity. There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, and like we talked before, what does unity do? That it is a type of picture of what God has designed. And so when we're coming together, even if it is amidst the cars and we can kind of just wave as we drive by, it is still a type of connection that we can have together as a church that gives what God will bless it and God has designed it to do. So I think this is one thing that it restores us hope. And so the contrast between the believer and the non-believer is that we have someone to run to when these tragedies uh, appear in our life. And like we've stated in those scriptures before, and we encourage you, the listener, to go and to look at these scriptures. Hey, I'll make mention of it again. 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 3, John chapter 14, verse 16, Isaiah 51, verse 12, John 16, verse 7, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And there's hundreds more verses that could parallel to the comfort that the Lord can give us during a time of trouble. And so God, he... he he sees us during this run that we have of trial, of temptation, of pain and suffering, these hurdles that are in front of us. But what is he doing? He's not just sitting back and just, you know, watching us, but yet he's showing us, okay, we need to, we need, I'll, I'll show you, I'll be with you during these hurdles of pain. I'll be with you during this time. He's not just someone that just says, okay, this is the Lord for you. I'll just, I'll, I'll, let's just see what you do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that completely. And, you know, one of the strongest sermons that I can recall and I wouldn't necessarily even say one of my favorite ones, but like just one of my ones that struck not only me, but like the entire like church body that was there came from uh, an evangelist or now pastor Wesley Campbell uh, at a revival to a church who's usually not too responsive in certain like sermons and stuff or to certain people. But I mean, that body that, you know, I've watched so many people come and like, you know, accept the comfort you know, that he preached on that Jesus, you know, gives us. And, you know, we can sometimes overlook it. Like, you know, like people say, oh, God's going to be with you. It's it's real. He really will be. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, wh- being able to just reflect on that and see how many people actually accepted that and put their faith, you know, that God will be with them and trust them. You know, it's, it's truly a beautiful thing. Yeah. So viewing God as uh, that comforter, again, whether it be through uh, God the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, um, He's able to comfort us during these times of pain, during these times of disaster. So what's the purpose of the pain in the first place? Uh, To get into that subject, I'd like to turn to Scripture again in the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. It's a good place to go here. Um, I believe this is 
Paul speaking here, says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Not Oh, got one more verse. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Mason, I hope your gears are turning in your head because I'm going to ask you, like, what, what, is, what, what do you get out of that when it comes to, like, the purpose for pain in life? Like, what, is it, what does that scripture say to you? Paul said it best. When I die... Christ gains, you know, when I put myself down, when I'm at my worst, you know, when, when everything's not about me, it brings up the Christ in us. It brings up, you know, anything and everything good that can ever be a part of us. Cause I mean, we all know that, you know, we as humans, as we've talked is, is we are sinful creatures and we're, we're not good, but anything that good can come from us is when we take down Mason Simmons, when we take down Tanner Higgins, Matthew Thompson, when we take ourselves down and bring up the Christ in us, that's when we're really going to be, you know, as we say, when I am weak, when I am weak, then I'm strong because of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful paradoxical statement. When I am weak, I am strong. Like that's, that, that's another thing because Tanner, you already touched on it, like the difference between the believer and the non-believer. Like I have so much sympathy for the, the non-believer. Like I, like it hurts to think that like there are people out there that don't have that promise, that don't have that, that, that covenant to lean on that idea of even when I'm weak, I'm strong. I'm not strong physically, not strong emotionally, not strong mentally in these times of, uh, of need of disaster, but there's another way that I'm strong. And that's the one way that matters. I'm strong in Christ. I'm strong spiritually. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And even though, uh, of course, this being the, the timely manner with the pandemic, the natural disaster that we endured in Tennessee recently, um, we can kind of like see it personally. But this is something that other countries have been dealing with for a mm -hmm. long time. Like the secret church in China. Uh, we talked about North Korea when the microphones were off. Uh, these disasters that they deal with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like the only thing that they can have is hope in Christ. Because what else yeah. do they have? They, they don't have anything else to lean on. We're finally getting to experience uh, firsthand what it's like to go through a disaster with. What it's like to endure true hardship as a collective mm -hmm. and turn to Christ. It, I mean, honestly, it's a blessing. It allows us to to really gauge where we're at spiritually like yeah we can we can rely on god when we can throw a hundred dollar bill in the offering plate like it's nothing when we can go to work like it's nothing when we can wake up and there's nothing on the news that's going to give us a small coronary like the, it, sure we can we can raise our hands and say praise god i depend on him when things are easy but what about when things are hard that lets you look in the in the spiritual mirror and go where where am i really at what where is my comfort really at is it in my bank mm -hmm. account is it in the roof that i have over my head is it in my continued employment or when I'm faced with these hardships, am I still going to be able to look at God and go, I don't understand why this is happening, but I'm going to seek to give you glory during it. And I think that the response to, that you have to these pains and sufferings is related to your region and, and like how you were raised in a, in a way. Because you respond to by what you've lost. You look at Job and he lamented and he, he mourned and he, he, he was definitely in pain because he had so much. But then you look at someone... Let the parable of Lazarus and the, and the and the rich man, that even Lazarus, it doesn't say that he was you know he he was tormented and he was he was 
pain, and he did go into Abraham's bosom, so he did have that hope. But yet he had nothing to gain whatever except the love of Christ. And so those that, like, for us in America and those to our uh, two listeners in Australia, that, you know, we are in a good place to, you know, we have a job, we have security, we have a home. And so when we did get hit with the natural disaster of the tornadoes and we are hit with like unemployment that it hits hard because we had something to lose to those that had nothing to lose like the the church the secret church in uh, north korea and the people being persecuted in china and in the the church in haiti you know they're getting hit and they're getting hit in a way but yet they're already ahead of us because they've already had a further a different type of trust and hope in jesus than what we have trust in material things a lot of times over than putting our faith and trust in Jesus. That money, I'm sorry, but that thing's going to do that bank account's going to dwindle down and then who are you going to have faith and hope in? Not the stimulus check because it's going to be it's going to be Jesus Christ. So, but and I think one thing back getting back onto the church, I think that we need to get back on track on and I think that because of this tragedy, I think the Lord's reminding us of this, is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so when, what we should we do when we see someone that's in need and see someone that can't get out and can't get groceries or can't do this stuff, can't get their prescription drugs, whatever, that the body of Christ should step up and bear these burdens for the believer and also for the non-believer because this shows the picture of what Christ has done by bearing the burdens of those that have sinned and, and dying for the sinner. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I like to strive to be like Christ. Well, that's uh, a goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I fail at it on an hourly basis. Well, that's kind of like my, my tears of who to be is Christ and then Mason. Mm. You know, I, Chuck <laughs> Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris, well, okay, Chuck Norris and then Mason, sorry. You know, this was I got to get those roundhouse kicks in. <laughs> when Chuck Norris is still relevant. Is Chuck Norris still alive? Oh, yeah. Is yeah. he? Okay. Sure. Is he still making those uh, Total Gym commercials? <laughs> Boys roundhouse kicking death every day. Uh, but anyway, on, on topic, uh, this is th- what we've been talking about, this having something to lose and losing it and knowing what to do with that loss and how to use it to, to give God glory. Like Jesus went through that. I mean, th- we can look at the, the rubric that God gave us on how to behave because Jesus had to deal with it himself. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he was pouring his heart out to the Father saying, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Now, that's... I mean, for one, what a strong statement from Jesus. Let this cup pass away from me. Like, that, that's that, that, human, that human fear, that human anticipation of him knowing what's going to happen, knowing how hard it's going to be to endure death for the sins of all people, past, present, and future. Like, that's such a big deal. But the first half of that statement is what really drives it home. If it is your will, even when he's acknowledging the fear and the, the, the death that he's going to have to endure, he's still acknowledging your will. Because then he follows it up by saying, not my will, but yours be done. He, I'd say that Jesus had something to lose. Absolutely. Imagine being the creator of the universe, the creator of life, and sitting there going, all right, I have to find some way to die. Lowering himself into that, that servant's body just for the hope that he can, he can save some of us mess up, messed up fools. Like knowing good and well that so many people aren't going to accept that gift, that totally free gift. Like... That I mean, that that's wild. Having that, that's a loss from past, present, future. Like he's going to have to die, and people are still going to reject him. Like that's some loss. So this is something that, that Jesus can absolutely relate to, and we we can look to him and look to the cross and see like how do we handle when these when these disasters knock on our door? 
And I, I, to- I totally agree, and I, and I like that. I think that brings comfort, reading the passage of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, because that shows Christ's humanity, that he, he suffered uh, uh, fear, and he was like, I know what's about to happen. I know that someone that followed me in for three and a half years is about to betray me. I know that I'm about to be, I'm uh, going to be betrayed by Peter. I know I'm going to be betrayed by all these people. People are going to run away from me, and I'm going to be by myself on the cross. I know that my father's going to turn his face away from me. This is a hard cross to bear. This is the cup of wrath that I'm going to have to drink, and this would tear me apart. And I know that. Uh, all through these tragedies that we feel so desperately alone. Uh, I was reading, there's a book uh, I'm, I'm going to cite. Uh, it, it's called In the Wake of the Black Death. And it's a historian that talks about the Black Death. And there's a guy that lived during the 14th century. His name is William Langland. And he wrote an article called Pierce Plowman. And, uh, and it was written in 1348, 49, somewhere on there. And this is this guy's view of the black death and this guy was a cleric at that time so he says so nature killed many through corruptions death came driving after her and dashed off to dust kings and knights emperors and paupers he left no man standing whether learned or ignorant whether he hit stirred never or or uh, or afterwards mercy and lonely lady and and thieves lovely knights uh, swooned and died in sorrow of death blow for th- this kind of hit me hard because it's like even a man of god that wrote this even though if you if you look at him he's kind of he's kind of quirky he's he this is what he says for god is deaf nowadays and he will not hear us and for our guilt he grinds good men to dust and so during that time, even within the Black Death, even with this pestilence in uh, the 14th century, people were questioning, is like, God's deaf to my pain. And then you look at David during his tr- tr- turmoil in Psalms chapter 27, verse 9. David, a man after God's own heart, he says, hide not your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. So there's been many times that even David felt like God has turned away from him during his time of trouble and trial. But the thing is, though, what later on in those verses that David is like, my helper and my comforter, the one that sustains me, the one that guides me is the Lord Yahweh. And that's what we have to lean on, that God isn't turning his face away, that he is there with us, even when we feel like we're alone. Well, going back to the cross, uh, talking about Jesus' suffering uh, and the pain that he endured, the pain that he endured was very much a punishment. It was a punishment for sin, Mm -hmm. sin that wasn't his, uh, sin for all of humanity, past, present, and future. So when we're talking about punishment uh, having to do with pain, with that being the the excellent comparison to make, the the cross, Jesus' death, like what about the pain that we endure through natural disasters, through pandemics, through uh, just human evil, uh, through sin? Like, does God send pain to us for punishment? And I think some scripture that we can turn to uh, to kind of start the conversation on answering that would be in Luke chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 5. Mason, if you want to read that. 13, 1 through 5? Yep. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose, whose blood, Pilate, had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Jesus speaking, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? 
No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That right there is strong. Oh, yeah. Verse 4 says, Or those 18 on whom the tower and Salome fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So I'll admit, uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to process that as you say it. Like, those are some strong verses. So, like, what, what are y'all's thoughts on how that answers the question of, like, does God send pain to us for punishment? How does that address it? Well, it's more of, like, punishment. I mean, what I see here is, I mean, as we see at the end of verse, or in, in verse 3 and then at the end of verse 5, um, you know, Jesus says, you know, do you think that these people, and I'm, I will have to admit I'm, okay, the barren fig tree's up next. So this is when Jesus has come back to Jerusalem. Um, you know, he's look, he's showing all these people, and I'm assuming they're seeing people, you know, commit crimes here on the streets or whatever. I'm, I'm just painting a picture in my head right now. This is, you know, what I'm seeing. You know, it, we're seeing all these people do these terrible things, and he's saying, do you think that these people over here, you know, just minding their own business, are worse than those criminals or worse than those over there? And Jesus is saying, you know, do you think they're any better? Well, no. And then he takes it. I mean, I think he's trying to illustrate one of his parables here. Um, no, because if they don't repent, you know, through me, what I'm here soon about to do, you know, as we've, you know, I don't know if anybody's watched our church's short videos on the Easter. I, I thought it done well about, you know, the day-to-day -day basis, but um as what I'm about to do is going to take care of, you know, those criminals over there. It's going to take care of those people who seem like they've, you know, not done a thing wrong since, you know, their rebellious teenage days or whatever. I'm going to take care of all of that. And it says, unless you repent, um, you're going to perish just like any criminal, anything, who, anybody who's done anything wrong, which, spoiler alerts, everybody. <laughs> Uh, you're all going to perish yeah. unless you uh, have accepted that or repent. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's definitely a fair appraisal. I mean, yeah. I mean, that goes back to the death on the cross. I mean, I mean, there's a punishment that was going to take place. It just so happened that Jesus was going to be the one taking it on their behalf. So, I mean, yeah, you could, you could still tie it back, but that's a good observation. I like that. Tanner, what do you think? Well, I mean, I would agree on the line that it is uh, it, it, the main focus of this portion of scripture is for repent and turn into me. Uh, but there is pain and suffering that is happening. There is death upon the Gal the Galileans and those that were uh, less sinners or more sinners and some would classify as like, well, they deserved it. And so I think one of the, the fallacies that have been stated within this recent pandemic is that, well, America deserves just punishment. They're getting what they deserve. You know turn back to God. Yes, we need to turn back to God, but yet it's not just America, that the whole world is affected by this pandemic. And so this uh, this tower and uh, Salam fell and killed these people is kind of like the same thing with the pandemic, is hitting and falling and killing people. Uh, so who is more righteous, those that are being killed or those that are surviving? What What's the way? But the thing is, though, Christ says, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And so the punishment is promised, upon all of humanity that's a thing pain 
is a thing that is promised all the way back in Genesis 3. But Christ gives a way of hope outside of that pain and punishment uh, of eternal separation from God. Because we're, we're, God didn't promise to take us out of the punishment, but to be with us during that punishment. So kind of going back to a point that's been touched on already, uh, we can look at that pain, that, that punishment, um, as kind of a, as a blessing, not kind of a blessing, it is a blessing. I mean, it's, it's tackled in another area of Scripture where God talks about uh, how he's going to chastise his people and how that's a privilege because, I mean, well, we're his people to chastise. And it's like as a parent corrects their child. And I know it might be hard to look at, uh, especially with current events, but even past events with disasters and such that have happened throughout human history. It's, I mean, it's a hard thing to look at that as like a parent correcting a child. Like that seems like such mm-hmm. a ridiculous comparison. But in the scope of eternity, going back to uh, the first episode when we talked about the flood and how all these new events that have happened since then, they aren't global extinction events. Well, we have to, we, first thing we have to acknowledge that there is a creator and we are subject to this creator. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with the parent that my son is subject to me. And so when he does wrong, I have to do something about it, or he's just going to go stir crazy and be a wild child. And I've, I've got to do something. It, and I want to acknowledge in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, it says, I have, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his ways and live. He, so he says he has no pleasure in this. In verse 32, it says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. So it's not God's pleasure for allow these things to happen. Uh, I, I know that one of the songs that my parents sing, uh, I think rings true in this, is that nothing can touch me unless it passes through his hands. To take another musical reference, there's the uh, the Christian metalcore band for today. They've got a song called Fearless. They say, um, we bear the mark of an uncreated God, so tell me who shall we fear? Um, and then in another area it says, our victory is already set in stone, so we are the fearless ones. Like that, there is nothing to fear. Like even, I mean, even as Paul says, to die is to gain. Uh, for him to increase, I must dis- I must decrease. Like while we're on this earth, we got a job to do. But I mean, mm-hmm. when it's time for us to go, I mean, it's time for us to go. I mean, we have that eternal uh, bliss to look forward to. So I mean, it, it's a wash in the end. It's a, it's all right if I die. Yeah, to be absent, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I finally got to make a metal reference on the podcast, so yeah, my life is complete. All right, this is the final episode. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the pain is the relationship with God. And I think C.S. Lewis, he says it quite well in his book, uh, The Problem of Pain. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and, but shouts in our pain. It is, mega, it is his megaphone to rouse the deaf world. And I think that God can use pain to remind us of who he is. It's like, okay, why am I experiencing this? And I think that it's, it rings true because of this pandemic that you have people asking questions and turning to the church and turning to God for that may have answers. And a lot of times when people ask you questions, you may not have the answer, but then it's like, well, let me just go to the Lord and maybe I can talk to you about, a little bit about it. So if uh, you know you don't 
have the answer, go to the Lord and, and ask for help, ask for comfort. And it may be just something simple of, of just, you know, Psalm 23 is, you know, I'm with you when you go through the valley of shadow of death. You know, there I'm with you, the rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So it may be something as simple as that that can bring comfort. I want to bring it back. We're gonna cl- I'm going to close it out with a little bit of looking back at the Garden of Gethsemane. That when Jesus was praying to the Father and he was obviously in turmoil and he was torn between what was about to happen he was about to take the cup of uh, of sin and he was about to endure all this pain this this suffering that he was about to do and where did you think he found comfort in i think he found comfort within the will of god i think that he found solace and he found peace knowing that god's will would be done and i can see that and and that and it's hard Within in my life to pray that prayer within every pain and, and situation. I know I've talked to this with, with some with some people, and it's it sounds almost illogical to say this and, and to pray this prayer. But my my will, my will, what I want is for the pandemic to be over now, you know, and for us to get back to the normal routine. But if it's God's will to get the maximum glory out of the pandemic and out of trial and ever pain and suffering, I'd say allow it to go on. If God to get the maximum glory, for God's will to be done and to get glorified the best out of it, either it be cut off today, tomorrow, whatever his will is, I think we need to be acknowledging that let God's will be done. And even on a personal level, like my will is for like my son to go forward and to grow and to get married and to graduate and do all these things, have kids, have grandkids and stuff like that. That's my will. But what if it's God's will to get maximum glory, let's say that he becomes paralyzed? That's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow, but if God can get the glory out of out of that over something else of within his life that if he had a couple of kids or if he got a masters in biochemical engineering or whatever, if Mason ain't getting it yeah, now. since Mason ain't getting that degree, but if God can get more glory out of his crippledness out of his degree, then it's a hard prayer, but a logical to prayer to say, Lord, allow your will to be done. And then it's also a hard prayer to say, Lord, if you take him now, can you get maximum glory out of that? It's a hard prayer to say yes. But I think that we need to be, we need to acknowledge and to say, God, allow your will to be done, not mine, and allow him to get the maximum glory. Because because Christ said, I'm willing to do what you have sent me to do and take this cup that is placed before me, guess what? God got maximum glorified through the worst tragedy recorded in human history through the death of Christ. He was glorified on the cross, and he was magnified on the resurrection. And so I think that that's something that we can take through Christ at the Garden of Gethsemane. It's like, allow God's will to be done within tragedies and, and pain and suffering. Get comfort in him, be within his will, and then we'll, we'll see it through. God will see us through. So no matter how long it goes or what. So that concludes uh, this episode. Uh, hopefully you'll join us in, in the last one. We'll be talking about the purpose of pain. The purpose of pain and looking at some uh, two more stories uh, in Scripture, one the old and one of the new, and uh, we'll close this uh, topic of uh, pain and suffering. Peace out. <laughs>